But we're actually going through the book of Acts, and we've been talking about victory no matter what. No matter what we're facing, uh, whatever's going on in this world, and it gets crazier every week, doesn't it? I told you. Everybody's like, oh, the new year, everything's going to be calm. Wrong. All right? So it's, it's going to get crazy and crazier. We know that from the Bible. But the book of Acts is all about we have victory no matter what we're facing in our life, what our church is facing, what our country, what is going on in the world. We have victory through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's all about. And last week we were in Acts 15 and we talked about faith versus works. And we also talked about legalism versus grace. And so we're going to veer off just for a week. We're going to be back in Acts next week. But uh, we're going to go to Galatians today because there's a great follow-up passage to what we talked about last week. The legalism versus grace. Great follow-up passage. And the title for today is Saved by Faith, Live by Grace. Saved by faith, live by grace, faith and grace, completely connected, can't even separate them. But we're going to look at Galatians 3 today. And let me pray again. Father, thank you for the worship. Thank you for everybody who's here or watching or even watching during the week later. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for everybody that's connecting with your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your mercy and grace. And if anybody has never put their faith in Jesus, today, now, now would be the day of salvation for them. This would be the day they put their faith in Jesus and realize a brand new life in Christ. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so whenever we talk about being saved by faith, lived by grace, it reminds me so much of my, my story on the farm, which several of you, a lot of you have heard, but I haven't told it in a few years, so it'll be new to some of you, but it's, it's the, the story of stacking corn. And uh, when, what happened is I was uh, in college, and one of the guys in the youth group, I used to help run the youth group, and his name was Denny. And I'm going to use his name because I'm going to send him a message on you know Facebook or something. Hey, I told this story. Denny, watch it again. So anyway, uh, he, he hates it when I tell this story. But anyway, Denny was in the youth group and he'd come over. He was my shadow. He was always hanging out, helping me on the farm. I did hated it when he came over because he always broke something or slowed me down. But anyway, Denny, uh, Denny was uh, over one day and he said, I want to help you. And I was, I was unloading corn. My dad's picking corn. He, you know, he goes out in the field and he picks it with the machinery. He goes into the wagon. Then my job was to go get the wagon load of corn and I would bring it back and, and, pull it up to the elevator, the corn elevator, and, and open open the, the corn wagon, and the corn was come pouring out into the elevator. It would go about 30 feet up in the air and drop into the, the corn crib, all right? And uh, anybody ever seen corn cribs? You know, it's just a big pile of corn, you know? It's crazy, right? So Denny was there, and he's like, uh, he's like, he comes over, and I'm like, Denny, just go back home. You can't help me, Ted. I'm doing corn. He goes, well, I want to help. I want to help. I want to be here. I want to be here. And, and he was a real character. We're always playing tricks on each other. He got me. I got him. Right? I mostly got him. But anyway, uh, he... He uh, he's like, I really want to help. But I said, all right, well, if you're going to be here, you might as well make yourself useful. Get up in the corn crib. And you can stack the corn. And he, he looked up. and He's like, you know, there's this big pile of corn in the corn. He goes, well, it's not stacked. I go, it's because I didn't have any help. But now that you're here, my dad's going to expect it. If I have help, he expects it stacked. He goes, oh, well, yeah, come on. If you want to help me, get up in there. So he climbed up into the corn crib. I started unloading the corn. And, and you know, anybody ever touch a 
this isn't sweet corn. This is hard cow corn, right? It's dried, you know, on the on the stalk. And and I and it starts going up and it starts coming down. And then he's at the pile and he's trying to catch it and stack it, right? And I don't know if you've ever been hit with a kernel of corn. Imagine a cob, a whole ear of corn. And it was and 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 so so I'm like, he's really gonna do this. And 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 I'm like just watching and he's catching the corn, trying to stack it. And I start to laugh. And I started to can't breathe, and I, I turned around. I went like this against the wagon, so he couldn't see me. And I'm just like, and then I turned around and go, good job, Denny, good job. And he's like, you know, give you a thumb up, bam, 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 bam. It's hitting him in the head. He's covered with corn silk. I turn around, I laugh some more. I turn back and go, you missed a couple, you missed a couple. You couldn't tell he was even in the corn crab, right? It was like crazy. It's like stacking sand on the beach, you know. It's impossible, you know. It, it's impossible. Stacking is it just is crazy. And he did a whole load, a whole load. He stacked a whole load of corn. And you would have never known he was in there except some of the corn had blood on it. You know, that's the only way you could tell Denny was up there. He was came out and he was a tough kid. He was a wrestler, wrestler, tough kid, really tough. But he came out and he was bruised and you know nicked and bleeding and corn silk all in his hair and you know and he got corn kernels in his clothes and he gets out and he goes, well, I that's really hard work. I go, hey, it is hard to be a farmer. He goes, I I don't want to do that anymore. I go, Denny, if you're here, my dad expects it to be stacked, all right? And, and if you got, but you missed a couple, you know. It's like I did my best. So we get on the corn on the on the wagon and we or tractor and we start pulling the wagon down to get a new load. And the whole way down, he's telling me why he doesn't want to do it anymore. I go, Denny, you're gonna have to work it out with my dad. My dad expects it stacked. If you don't want to stack the corn, you're gonna have to work it out with my dad. When we get there, he goes, I'm gonna tell him I. I just don't want to stand there. Then he tell my dad, it's not my decision. It's my dad's decision. So we get down there, and my dad's just loading up, finishing up with another load. He comes down, and he un- you know, there's a rope you pull, and he unhooks his wagon, pulls around, and I pull on the rope because we have these ropes in the, in the, the draw pens, and we pull it out. And, uh, and then he, he comes around, and I go, well, go ask my dad, Denny. Go ask my dad. So uh, Denny gets off the tractor, goes running over, and my dad gets off of his tractor because Denny wants to talk to him. And I see Denny doing this. He's like... <laughs> and my dad keeps looking past Denny at me like... What? And, and I'm, le- I'm, le- I'm sitting back on the tractor seat with my feet up on the steering wheel, you know, just enjoying this. And my dad keeps looking past with this real puzzled look on his face. And then he keeps doing this, you know, and talking to him. And finally, I, finally my dad looks again and I crack a smile. My dad was like he got shot. He just fell on the ground. He fell on the ground, la- you know, laughing, laughing. He just laughed so hard. I staggered off the tractor. I'm laughing. My dad was crawling toward me. He was laughing so hard. He couldn't stop. I'm like laughing. Laughing. We're laughing. Daddy, we got you, Daddy, we got you. He was so mad. He tried to stack corn. It's crazy. Crazy. Now, as crazy as that sounds, I'll bet some of you even here, but many people are trying to do that spiritually. They're trying to do that spiritually. They think they can stack corn to heaven. They think that they can do enough good works to pile up enough good works to climb all the way up to God and, and reach God by being good enough somehow. It, it's crazy that, that we, we think we can do this. And there's so much confusion in the USA today, uh, all over the world, but especially in the USA today, how we get saved. The Bible calls it salvation. How we get right with God. How we, we get right with God now here and also someday spend eternity with God. How we, we reach that point. And there's really only two options. There's really only two options. One is we try to be good enough. 
We try to stack corn up to heaven. We try to stack our good works to get to heaven somehow. That's one way is works. And the other way is by faith. We, don't, we know we can't be good enough. We put our faith in Jesus. What he did on the cross, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his death to pay for our sins, his resurrection to give us a brand new life, we, we put our faith in Jesus. Those are the only two options. And to get to somebody's belief system, to their plan, because everybody has a plan to heaven. Everybody has a plan for heaven. Somehow. Even if they've never articulated it, when you ask, I ask this big question to everybody to get to it. I always say, if this is the big question. If you were to die today and stand before God right now, you're driving home, you get in a car accident, whatever, you're standing before God and God were to say, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? That question, I use it every time. Use it. Use it. It always gets right to the, the whole point of somebody's plan. And typically, you know what most people say? Is Chuck here? I saw Chuck here. There you are. What, what do most people say? I'm good enough to go to heaven. I'm good enough. 95%. 95% of the people out on your, out your ministry, they, 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 it, it's, it's, they pick works, right? They pick works. Uh, I, I, they, they, I'm good enough. I've never killed anybody. How many times have I heard that? You know, I've never killed anybody. I went to church. I jumped through religious hoops. That's what people have a plan of trying to be good enough. There's always a good enough plan. I was watching Bonanza the other day. I still watch Bonanza. I love Bonanza. But anyway, on my day off, I like to watch Bonanza. Uh, and, and I'm watching it, and, and, and it was interesting. The dad and little Joe were having this argument because little Joe wanted revenge on somebody. And, and he said, little Joe, he said, How, where, do good, where do good people go? He said, heaven. Where do bad people go? Hell, little Joe says this, right? All right? And I was like, wow, wow, they get this. Even on Bonanza, right? How times have changed. Uh, but then he says, how do you get to heaven? And little Joe said, by being good. I'm like, whoa, little Joe. Whoa, whoa, you went off the, you went off the rails there. Yeah, but, but so many people, so many people think the same way, right? Even many church churches christian churches add to the confusion delusion of of how we get to heaven many i would say the majority of churches in the usa today teach works they teach you got to be good enough follow the golden rule and it breaks my heart roman catholic churches protestant churches uh even evangelical churches are, are sliding down this this slope now it's tragic because the reason it's so sad is because er, er, christianity is supposed to be different Every other religion in the world teaches a works salvation. A works salvation. Every other one. Buddhists, they have to follow. Anybody know? The eightfold plan. They have an eightfold plan they have to follow. Hindus have to achieve karma, nirvana karma, right? Uh, uh, Jews have to keep the, the law, the covenant, the covenant of the law. And Muslims have to keep their own code of the law they have their own law they all have to keep the law christian biblical true biblical true christianity is the only religion that teaches a gospel of faith but nobody corrected me there christianity is not a religion true biblical christianity is not a religion it's a what relationship see religion is do got to do something but the relationship is based on D-O-N-E. It's done. 
We have a relationship. It's not a religion that we have. We, we have a relationship with God. But it's the only religious system, we'll call it that one, versus all the other religions. All the other ones, you have to work your way into heaven. Christianity is the only one. It's a relationship based on faith, putting your faith and trust in what Jesus has already done. D-O-N. E, not D-O. It's the only one. And we talked about this last week. I'll just quick review Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace is what? A gift. And we put our faith in God's gift. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We put our faith in God's grace. That's that's the, the, that's the gift. We have to we have to put our faith. We have to trust and we have to receive His gift. And what is that gift? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. His gift was his one and only son who he gave to die on the cross. That's what we're doing communion today. We're remembering his body and blood that he gave on the cross to take our place. God sent his son Jesus to die for us. He, he paid the penalty for our sin. He took our punishment as a substitute. Substitution, right? He was a substitute. He gave his blood as a ransom he paid the ransom for our sin he, he he ransomed us and if we put our faith in jesus we can receive atonement atonement the word atonement is actually three words they couldn't come up with the word in english when they translated uh the bible in english years ago and so they put three words together at one meant that's where we get atonement from and, and it means that we become at one because we are separated by sin because of our sin. We are separated from God now and forever. But God, Jesus' death made it possible to, for us to be at one meant atonement, to be one with God again, to be reconnected with him. Now, that, that's how we're saved. Now, back to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. But then, very important, the very next verse is important too. Verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We, works don't save us. But we were saved so that we could do good work, so that we could live a new life. And, and, and if we really put our faith in Christ, salvation will follow, right? Remember this shocking story, the, the scissors? And I'm not the only one. Kim, Kim, uh, yeah, uh, 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 Moore uh, said she used a bobby pin, right? Bobby pin. And you got it so bad that her fingers were charred and her tip of her nose was charred. Uh, how old were you? Three or four. There it is. There it is. Right. I knew we had this, you know, this, you know, the, the same bond. We, we have we've been electrified, you know, we both of us, you know. <laughs> so but but that what once once the Holy Spirit comes in, there's a change. Just like the electricity went in, there was a change, right? The, the, the Holy Spirit comes in, there's a change. And, and works follow true faith. They don't save us, but they follow. There should be a change in our life. But this is also where many of us as Christians, we get that. We're saved by faith, and we, there should be works in our life. But this is where some confusion sneaks in, even those who have already put their faith. Most of you have, and if you haven't, I hope you do today. But, but most of us have, but this is where we, we go off the rails. 
How do we work? How do we achieve these works? How do we live the Christian life? And this is where confusion comes in again. This is what I usually hear when I talk to somebody about how they're struggling. And, and I say, well, you know, this is this has got to go or this has got you got to have this fruit in your life or whatever it is. Uh, they I usually this is what people often say. Nobody here, but you might have heard someone say something like this. <clears throat> I need to try harder. I need to try harder. Or I've been at a lot of testimony, a lot of retreats and testimony time. And I've, here's the testimony. Does this sound familiar? I've been really messing up this last year, but, but I'm going to really strike, start trying now. I'm going to really start trying now. Uh, hmm. What does that sound like? Works. We're saved by faith and grace, and then we slip into works, into human effort. We know we put our faith, we can't get to heaven without Jesus. We put our faith in him. But then after we're saved, we try to do it on our own human effort. Nobody here, but you might have known someone who said some of these things, right? The Galatians, the people in Galatia, the Galatians said the same thing. Let's see what the Holy Spirit said to them through the apostle Paul. The Holy Spirit had some very strict words, some real rough words for them, actually. In Galatians 3, I'll start with verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? interesting passage. Well, let's, let's unwrap this one. Verse, first of all, in verse 1, he says, you, let me make sure I got the right, uh, yeah, you foolish Galatians. Some of your versions might say ignorant, ignorant. And if you could read the Greek, which I used to be able to do, and I can read a little bit still, uh, he starts out with, in the Greek, it actually says, oh, it's like a groan in the Greek. He says, oh, you idiots, you ignorant you foolish, you know, you pick your word, you know. It's intense emotion that Paul writes through the Holy Spirit's leading. He says, oh, oh, oh. he goes, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And, and the, the point of it is when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified up on a hill in the view of all Jerusalem. That's where they crucified people. They wanted everybody to see it. it they, they wanted them to see what, what, what happened to people who went against the, 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 the Russian Empire, I mean the Roman Empire. They wanted them to see that. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. But anyway, uh, put on view as public notice and 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 there's a sign attached to the cross right and Jesus last words he says it is finished there's nothing more we can do and this is what Paul is stressing here and then in verse 2 he goes into the next part where he says i would i would like to learn just one thing from you did you did you receive the spirit by observing the law or by believing what you have heard by works or faith were, we, were they saved by works or faith, right? And what are, what are they, they going to answer? Faith, right? Obviously, it's a rhetorical question. You're saved by faith, all right? Hope that's clear now. No stacking corn to heaven, right? But then in verse 3, then he says, are you so foolish? There it is again. After beginning with the Spirit, 
Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? After beginning with the Spirit, putting your faith in Jesus Christ, being saved by the Spirit, are you now trying to live by works? Are you trying to live by human effort? And then he says in verses 4 and 5, Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God give you a spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Does God work in your life because you observe the law, which is works, or because you believe because of faith? How, he's, he's making this point here, right? We're saved by faith, but he says now you're trying to live by works, by human effort. We're saved by faith, but now you're trying to live out your sanctification by human effort. Sanctification means when, when, we're, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are saved. We have salvation. But we're also positionally sanctified. That means to be set apart. Set apart. We're actually seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. With him. We're sanctified. But then there's not just positional sanctification, but there's practical sanctification. That's the day-to-day being set apart. That's the day-to-day spiritual battle where we we become holy. Sanctification means to become holy, to be like Jesus, to be set apart. And that's a daily battle. But so many times we try to do it in our own effort. And uh -uh. just like we're saved by faith, we have to be sanctified by faith. It's the same thing. But when when we try to do it in our own power, and I know nobody here has ever done that, but when we try to do it in our own power, if What's it, if that were to even be possible for anybody here. And we try to do it in our own strength. We forgot to pray. We forgot to depend on God. We forgot to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. We forgot, you know, we forgot to quote the Word of God and depend on that, just like Jesus did when he was tempted. Like I said, nobody would, here would even dream of doing any of this in our spiritual battles. But, but if, you, if we, we do that, we make the same mistake as, an, uh, as someone who's not a Christian who's trying to stack corn to heaven, trying to work their way into heaven. We make the same mistake. Aren't they idiots? Can you believe they would do that? That we do the same thing trying to achieve our sanctification and our own strength. And that's why, that's why we, we don't do well. We are saved by faith in God's grace. We must live by faith and grace. We must live by it. The same thing. God did it all at salvation. Did you do anything for your salvation? He did it all. And guess what? He has to do it all with our sanctification. He's got to do it all. And the secret, if we back up just one chapter, Galatians 2.20, we find the secret in Galatians 2.20 where it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are saved by faith. We live by faith. We are saved by God's grace. We have to live by God's grace. That is the secret. I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. I must die. I must die. The sinful self must be crucified. And it first happens at salvation. When we put our faith in Jesus, we say, God, I repent of my sin. I don't want to sin anymore. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. Our old self is crucified at that time, automatically crucified. But that's not the end of it because our old self, our sinful self, is really a zombie. A zombie, that's right. 
You think it's dead? But it ain't dead. You've got to kill it again. You've seen the movies. And then you think it's dead? It's not dead. It's back again. You've got to kill it again. Right? Right? You know the zombie movies. You know, like the picture I'm talking about, right? You've got to keep killing it. And our sinful self is a zombie. It's never, it's been killed. It's dead. But so are zombies. But they keep trying to come back again, right? And feed on us, right? Yeah, yeah you got the whole way. But, anyway, but you got to kill it. We have every day we have to be crucified with Christ. At salvation, we repent of sin. We, we, we uh, are, are crucified with Christ, but the zombie's still trying to come back. Every day, you've got to make the decision to, be, to, to put out your arms, picture it, put out your arms, say, I'm going to be crucified with Jesus today. I've got to remember I'm dead. The sinful self is dead. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. And we have to practice it daily. But I can't do it. Say it with me. I can't do it. Who can do it? Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ. Only he can do it. I must be crucified with Christ. And I can't live. I can't live either apart from him. I can only live this new life in Christ. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. Faith in the Son of God. We have to, we, we have to live. This new life can only be lived by, by, by faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved by faith. And grace, and we have to live by faith and grace. Saved by faith, live by grace. It's an easy way to remember it. Now, let's let's look at our life here before we go to communion. Let's look at it. Let's start by looking at how we know we aren't living by faith. <laughs> Here's a couple clues. Now, you could just ask your spouse, and they could tell you, <laughs> or your kids, <laughs> or your parents. Right? We could ask some of them. We won't go there. But anyway, we could we could ask, right? But how? How do we know we aren't living by faith? Here's a couple clues. Legalism. Remember last week we talked about legalism? If we find ourselves in legalism, you know, the do's and the don'ts focused on that instead of the relationship, if that's our focus, legalism, that is a bad, bad sign, right? Uh, when we're, we're, when we're, we know we're in legalism, even reading our Bibles and doing our devotional time with God's a chore because it's something we've got to do. We've got to read this much and pray this much and do this much. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Some of you do. Uh, we all do, right? We fall into, even devotional time, time with God is a chore because we've made it legalism, right? Uh, also, another thing is pride. Pride in ministry? Look what I did. Or pride in our purity? Oh, look how long I went. Look how long I went without doing X, Y, or Z. Look how well I'm doing. But you know what? God is not pleased by that. God's not pleased by our pride in ministry because we did it without him. But we did it without him. That's not going to be eternal fruit. That's not lasting fruit. That's us doing it, and it's not going to, it's not going to last. And, and with, same with purity. He's not pleased because we did it without him. We might have said, oh, I'm doing it for you, God, but we did it without him. And God knows that can't last. What's going to happen? We're going to crash. It's just a matter of time if we do it on our own. We can't do it. What will happen? And here's another clue that we're in the, in the flesh and not in the spirit, that we're uh, depending on works and not on faith, uh, legalism instead of grace, is defeat. We find ourselves defeated in our spiritual life. Now, I know nobody here can relate to that but you probably know someone like that uh and and you know you, you know what i'm talking about defeat 
and we try really hard and we fail and we fall into sin and then we feel guilt and shame and what comes along with that frustration and then self-condemnation nobody here right self-condemnation one time i was talking about self-condemnation and a a husband and wife came up to me after the service and said uh the wife said that's me self-condemnation i'm always beating myself up and her husband said yep that's right i said she should get a job as a tour guide for guilt trips you know i never forgot that we 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 beat ourselves up and then this is the scary part though this is the dangerous part then when after this goes on for a while we give up you ever given up we give up and then we start to fake it we fake it and we put a mask on and we come to church or we come to our home fellowship or we come to prayer meeting we come to wherever we are and and people say how you doing oh it's all going great it's going great right going great it was ripped apart inside we're completely defeated you probably a good number of us are like that right now because we, we, we fake it. And it's because I call it white-knuckle Christianity. White, we're hanging on. Just hanging on. White-knuckle Christianity. But it should be called knucklehead Christianity. Because we're knuckleheads. We can't do it. And, we, and then we end up getting mad at God. And it's not even what he said to do. Right? We end up mad at him. It's not even what he said to do. What does living by faith in God's grace look like? Let's contrast it. We're tempted. Instead of white-knuckling it, say, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I actually want to sin. Tell him he knows it. I want to sin. And if you don't help me, I'm going to. When we do sin, instead of trying to get ourselves cleaned up and be good for a couple of days and then come back to God to, to, because now I, I've made myself okay in front of God, please, we go right to him. Even, even right after we sin, hopefully we back it up as time goes and we do better and better, go to him earlier and earlier. But even right after we go right to the throne of grace to ask for Mercy and grace. Forgiveness, mercy and grace. Go right. Hebrews 4.16. We go right to the throne of grace and we ask for mercy and grace right away. Don't clean yourself up. You will never be clean. Never be clean. I know on the farm, if you, if you went in the pig pen, all the other manures you could get the smell off you. But if you went in the pig pen, you could not get it off. It was horrible. And when we go in the pig pen, you can't clean it off. Only Jesus can clean that off. Like a skunk, right? You ever been squirted with a skunk? Remember Marine, the skunk that got your, was it your dog or what? what did it get? Your dog, remember? You, Gabe called me. How do you get rid of the skunk smell? I go, you don't. <laughs> get rid of the dog. No, no. I, I, Almost, almost. Tomato juice. Did you try the tomato juice? You got to try the tomato juice bath. We used to do that with our dogs all the time. All right. Uh, 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 well, that's enough about skunks. But anyway, uh, but you can't get rid of it. Only God can give you that tomato juice bath. Right. Only he, it's the only way. Ministry. Instead of trying to do it for God. No. I, I, 
God, I can't do ministry. I can't do anything without you. I need help to lead the worship, to speak, to work with the kids, to counsel this person or help this person or witness this person. Whatever it is, God, I need you. Uh, with, with COVID, with COVID, uh, how are we doing with that? Are we living by fear or faith? Even in the midst of all the craziness that went on, we as Christians, if, we, if we're living by faith, it changes everything. We can't live by faith and fear at the same time. It changes everything. And, and a lot of Christians figured this out. In fact, uh, Gallup poll just came out this week. Did you see it? Churchgoers are the only U.S. group that avoided 2020 mental health decline. Listen to this. According to the Gallup poll released on Monday, this was this week, frequent church attendees, frequent, <clears throat> frequent uh, attendees were on, the only group in the U.S. that did not experience a mental health decline in 2020 during the pandemic's height. Gallup has conducted its November health and health care survey annually since 2001. The 2002-20 shows that 34% of Americans consider their mental health excellent. 34%. But 46% of Americans who regularly attend religious services said their mental health is excellent. You see that? 34 to 46, almost half. And that was an increase from the year before, 42%. During the pandemic, Christians' mental health got better during the pandemic. That shows that we are living by faith. Not by fear. Uh, you're a father or a mother. Same thing. Constant prayer. You can't do it. You can't raise kids. We can't do it. It's, it's <laughs> No, we can't. If you're a husband or a wife. You can't be the kind of husband you're called to be biblically or wife you're called to be. It's got to be constantly. God, help me. Help me. Help me, just constantly help me. Devote time, devotional time. I, we can't even desire time with God unless the Holy Spirit draws us and fills us. It's God, fill me, Holy Spirit, fill me. I need, I need to be filled with the Spirit so I can even want to, to connect with you, God. It, it, it's not about legalism. It's not about legalism. It's about that, the being filled with the Spirit and that relationship and living by faith. It's not about legalism which says we can earn our salvation, right? Or we can add to our own righteousness somehow, right? That's what legalism is. Or gain increased favor with God. That's really the whole goal of legalism. Gain increased favor with God by accomplishing something for Him in our own effort. It's about a relationship based on faith and living by grace no matter what we are facing in our life. Faith and grace no matter what. And I'm going to read you something that's going to shock you. If you were at John Hahn's memorial service, you heard this already. This is an example of someone who has learned to live by faith and grace. And this is John Hahn, something he wrote I don't even know when he wrote it. It was, it was when he was in the midst of his battle. He says this. He posted this. I will fight. I will survive. I will live every day to the fullest. My girls need me and I need them. My goal is to inspire other cancer patients to fight the fight and help them restore their faith in God. 
Prayers from all over the country and my faith is the reason I have the internal strength to take this on. I can't say enough about all the support I receive from coworkers, friends, strangers, church members, and of course my incredible family, my sisters, my nieces, nephews, sister-in-laws, brother-in-laws, uh, uplifting and amazing. You may, now get this, you may think I'm crazy for saying this, but I've been blessed to be put in this position. This has given me a second chance to restore my faith and look at life through a different lens. Keep the prayers coming. I can definitely feel them. That is someone who learned the secret of living by faith and grace. We are saved by faith. We must live by God's grace. Are you saved by faith? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus Christ? And a lot of times there's confusion with the word believe uh, because we think, well, I just got to know something. That means I, I, I'm okay. It's not about knowing something. The word in Greek for believe means to put your trust in. It means to cling to. It means to give your life to. And that's what it really means. And that's, that's the word believe in Greek, it, it, it means something totally different. The best example I can get is, and some of you might remember I told this story a while ago, uh, was uh, I was on a, a, a mission trip to India. I was on a plane to India, and I left from New York, and I was flying to Frankfurt. And uh, I was on this plane, and I was sitting next to a German couple, a German couple. And, and I was being friendly. Kim will tell you, I can talk to anybody. I don't care what language they speak. Somehow I end up good friends with them. And that's her joke. You know, wherever we go, I make friends. So I'm making great friends. Even though I can't speak German and they can't speak English. Just a little bit. They could speak a little bit of English. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, that's good, yeah. They could say that. And I could say, Gesundheit and broke better. Bread, please pass the bread, right? I could say, uh, I could say a little bit, but somehow we were connecting and, and we, we started communicating and, and it, they were asked why I was going to India and I was like, I'm going as a Christian, going to try to help people become Christians. And they had a friend who was witnessing them. So they kind of they kind of had a groundwork. So we started talking, but they, we we got pretty far. They they got knew enough English we could almost get. They understood Jesus and what he did and all that, but they couldn't understand faith. I couldn't make that clear to them. I was like, God help me! I gotta. How can I explain faith? And right in front of us was a map. And there was this plane flying across the Atlantic Ocean. You know, I'm talking about the international flights. You can see where you are, where the plane is. It's moving slowly, slowly across the ocean. And I was like, oh. God gave it to me. I said, we just left from New York to go to Frankfurt, right? Yeah, yeah, Frankfurt. Yeah, good. I said, could you jump from New York to Frankfurt? jump no 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 jump no i go what too far yeah too far too far right right too far too far can't do it no matter how far you jump you're not going to get there you're going to land on the water somewhere right i go you can't do it how do you how can you get to frankfurt 
The plane? Yeah, the plane, the plane. That's right, the plane. We are, we are. So we are, we're okay. Got the plane. I said, can you jump from earth to heaven? No. Why? Too high? Yeah, too high, right? That's good. Too high, too high, right? Too high. How can you get to heaven? No plane? No, no plane. Can't go that high. How do you get there? No plane? I go, no. Jesus. Jesus is our plane. You have to get on the plane. Just like we got on this plane and trusted it to get us, you have to get on the plane called Jesus Christ and and get to heaven. That's the only way, putting your faith. And they got it. They got it. They understood. That's as far as I could get with them. Their friends, I had to lead them to Christ after that. But I got them as far as I could. And that's what it means. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Say, God, I don't want to live in my sin anymore. I want to leave it. I want to repent of it. I want to put my faith in Jesus. His death on that cross. His resurrection from the dead. I put my faith in him. I get on Jesus the plane called Jesus Christ, and let him get me there. Have you ever taken that step of faith? You can do that today. And after we become a Christian, after we get on that plane and we get flying, a lot of times we try to hijack that plane, don't we? <laughs> we, try to, we try to hijack that plane. And, it, and just as we may be here today, and you know you're saved by faith, but are we trying to live on our own strength? Are we depending on God's grace? Self or God's grace? Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Are you living by faith? Living by faith. I remember, uh, I'll end with this one and we'll go right to communion. I remember learning how to water ski and some of you might remember this story. Uh, I was learning how to water ski. I was on the Niagara River. We were about mm, seven miles above Niagara Falls, and, and, and it was pretty choppy. The Niagara River is not very smooth, but, but I was going to learn how to water ski with my friends. They had a boat and everything. And so they're getting out there showing me how to do it, how to water skiing, and, and they're doing it. I'm like, that's going to be easy. I was a farm boy. I was an athlete. I was strong. It's not simple, you know. I just got to you know, hold on the rope and pull yourself up and go. And, and so I saw them doing it. So I said, okay, my turn. So I got out there. And I forget, put the rope between my skis. And it was this choppy Niagara River. And, and they said, okay, I just hold on to the rope. Just hold on to the rope. Let, let it pull you out and just hold on to the rope. So it, it, I'm not afraid. They gunned it. They pulled me up right away. I was tough, strong farm boy, right? My athlete pulled right up, hold it in there. And, and I did this. Wham, right on my back, you know? They're like, what are you doing? Because I felt like I had to do something, right? It was too easy. I just had to do something, so I pulled on the rope. They came around again, gave me the rope again. Listen, don't pull on the rope. Just let the boat do all the work. Just hang on to the rope. I got it, I got it, I got it. Went up again. I couldn't help it. I pulled on the rope. Wham, right down again. This just kept happening and happening. They were really giving me a hard time. They were yelling at me. Hey, I could see the, the Niagara Falls. We could see the, the mist. You were going to let you go over. You do it one more time, you know, because right now we're about five miles from the falls, right? And, and, and I just could not stop doing that because I felt like I had to 
to do the work, right? And finally, I'll never forget. They, they, were, they were threatening me. We're going to leave you out in this river, you know? And they, and, uh, they were, like, giving me a really hard time. And, and, I, and they said, now, listen, don't pull it. I'll never forget the final time when I finally actually water skied. I came up, and I was there, and it was pulling me, and I kept doing this. <sighs> You know, I never forget. I just get a little, get a, get a little bit loose rope and let it go. You know, and finally I realized you don't have to do anything except hold on to the rope. But you better hold that rope. <laughs> and that's what living by faith is: hang on to Jesus Christ. Wherever He pulls us, we go. Wherever He leads, we go. But hang on. But don't try to do it. Let the boat, let Jesus do it. Let the Holy Spirit's power pull us. That's the key. And that's what communion is all about here. As we go to communion, it's really a reminder of that, that we're saved by faith and we've got to live by grace. And we're remembering the body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. We're remembering that. And and, and, and in just a, a few moments, Todd's going to lead us in some prayer and worship and give us a chance to take the Lord, Lord's Supper, the communion. But there's, if, if you're not a Christian yet, then just wait. Don't, don't take it. Wait till you're ready to take that step. But I hope you do take that step. We're going to pray in just a minute. Or if there's something in our life that we won't give up to God. We say, God, you can't have it. It's mine. Not that you're not perfect. I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. But we have to be willing to surrender whatever God is convicting us about. If we're willing to do that, great. If we're not, wait. Don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. But I hope every one of us surrenders to God and gives up whatever he's calling us to give up. I hope you all do. Let's, let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us, preparing us for this communion time? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never gotten onto the plane. But today is that day that you actually put your faith in Jesus Christ. The simple but powerful prayer of faith. God, I repent. I turn away from my old life and the old sin and the old self. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. And give me a new life in Jesus Christ. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. His death, his resurrection. I put my faith in him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, then you've just, you're in for the ride of your life. The Holy Spirit's power is in you. You're on that plane called Jesus Christ and you're going to go wherever he takes you. And it's going to be good. And there's going to be some rough patches. He's going to clean us up. But, but it's going to be an, an amazing adventure following Jesus Christ. And if you have put your faith in Christ, 
I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you're here with a family member or a friend. Maybe you have a coworker you could tell. Maybe tell me on the way out. Tell somebody. Fill out the, the card in the bulletin. Put it in the box. Tell somebody. So that we can encourage you in your new life in Christ. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is God speaking to us about depending on his power, living by faith, living by grace? What area of our life do we need to stop pulling on the rope and just hang on to it? Desperately just hanging on. Father, I pray that your spirit would move in a powerful way during this time of communion. In Jesus' name. Our prayer team will be here by the side. If you desire prayer for anything, for yourself or others, please meet with them right after the service. I want to thank you so much for being here today, live or live stream. I hope you have a wonderful day ahead and a better week.